And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk to get The Athletic for $3.99 a month. Alex, there's so much. There's so much going on. What do we what do we do with all this information, Al? What? Uh, that what a great question, Andrew. I just started recording. Oh. <laughs> I was trying to delay so I wouldn't have to tell you, hey, the first sentence I say isn't gonna be recorded. <laughs> oh yeah, Andrew, where do we start? Where do we start, Andrew? Where do you want to start? Do we have we have breaking news? We have multiple pieces of breaking yeah, news. Yeah, let's start with We have old news, we have medium news. Let's start with the most interesting news to me. It's the Kawhi Leonard news. Kawhi Leonard out for game 5 with a knee injury suffered in game 4 and his status for the rest of the series is in jeopardy. Dunked too hard. Crazy. Dunked too hard on Derek Dunked. Favors. Was it on that play? I don't know. I don't know what play it was on. Has anybody reported that? Uh, well, I remember there was a play when he came down weird and he grimaced, but I don't remember what the exact play was. Yeah. Um, man, that's so huge. It's because it's huge. It's, I mean, they're going back to game. F- they first of all, they looked like they were in control of the series in game four. Yeah. I mean, the Jazz started figuring out some stuff really late. They started actually giving the ball to Rudy Gobert on offense a little bit more, mm-hmm. and it was working out a little bit, but. You know, if Mike Conley wasn't going to come back, and we still don't know his status for Game 5, but it just seemed like the Clippers had kind of figured them out. And with Mitchell not being at 100%, although he was still, you know, still putting a lot of points in the basket. Um, I, I mean, I felt like it was probably over, if not in 6 and 7. Yeah. And now everything changes again. I mean, I, I posted, I tweeted that thing out the other day. It was like, how many times have you switched your title favorite pick and i feel like we we, i got to do it again because i had started like buying into the clippers in these last couple games and like man it's just i mean it goes back to stars like you have Kawhi and pg pg's playing well like the clippers seem like they're going to be pretty good Mm -hmm. now i'm back to square one (laughs) i know (laughs) i know yesterday people were asking me about it i'm like well i guess like phoenix is a team that looks the best uh, like the most cohesive right. and has played the best throughout the playoffs without any lagging here or there. And shoot, like now Chris Ball is out indefinitely. Uh, so Kawhi Leonard did tweak his knee in that that late game drive um, where he stayed in it for a bit and then went out. But he probably should have been out of the game anyways at that point. Uh, it's, it, I mean, that is such a huge blow. It. 
Paul George, though, he has an opportunity because if don't, Paul George don't, led, don't. led this Clippers team, Andrew, that that would be that would be crazy if, if he if he beat this Jazz team. It's incomprehensible that it could happen, isn't it? I mean, it feels that way right now. Yes, absolutely. Can you imagine that Paul George puts this team on his back? Has anybody ever said this sentence? Paul George puts the team on his back and leads them to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, no, but you know there's a first time for everything. First time for everything, Andrew. Who knows? There, there certainly is a first time for everything. We're in the wild, wild west. <laughs> this play, I, I just saw a tweet. This is crazy. So, on June 14th, two days ago, Kurt Goldsberry tweeted that Kyrie Irving will be the seventh different All-Star to miss a playoff game this year, the most in a season in NBA history. And now Kawhi makes it eight, and CP possibly makes it nine. Wow. So having nine All-Stars miss at least one game. I mean, it's so funny because on on the one hand, I want to be the person that says, no, there shouldn't be an asterisk. Like, teams deal with injuries every single year. Like, there's always major injuries sure. in a playoff run. Somebody benefits, somebody doesn't. But at some point, like, if everyone <laughs> if everyone's hurt – like what is this? What are we watching? It's been what it's been all season, though. It's like it's the same with like the MVP debate. Is it's been war of attrition the whole time, right? True. Yeah, I think there was an expectation that oh, you know, if we can just get to the playoffs, teams will do what they have to do during the regular season to get get these guys healthy for the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then we can have a normal playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it has not been that Mm-mm. at all. Mm-mm. There had to and listen. This was always going to be like the sacrificial lamb season, right? Where we have to get back on the NBA schedule. And the only way to do it is to get the season going and to push it as hard as we can, right? And they did. And there are consequences to that. The, this, they have basically had two seasons in a row, like back to back. And it's, it's not good. Well, and what's crazy is that was what was said about the bubble season. Like, this is going to be an asterisk season. This is going to be the season where weird stuff happens in the playoffs for other reasons, you know, not being not being at your home arena and everything and being able to all stay in the same place every night. But, yeah, yeah and, then, and then you see them releasing their schedule, and it's like, yep, we're starting back middle of October. Everything's going back to normal. Like, not – really making any significant changes to kind of lighten this load. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even that is like a quick turnaround for, for the league again, like it's one more quick turnaround for the NBA because the off season, yeah. like free agency is pushed up a month. Like everything is pushed up a month. The finals is pushed up a month. And then it's that one less month they have for rest. And, it's, it's so next season. There still could be consequences that happen for next season, and hopefully the year after that, things will be relatively normal. But yeah, I don't know. Also, there's also the reality: like, is an injury to Kawhi Leonard shocking? You know, with the stat, like the way that the like amount that he's played in the playoffs. Um, yeah. The way that he's played in the playoffs is it shocking that Kawhi Leonard, who's been like 
pretty fragile, like the the poster boy for taking time off during the regular season because of injuries. Um, a guy like Stephen A. Smith, who whatever you want to know about Steve, whatever you want to say about Stephen A. Smith, the guy like knows a lot. Um, it's like basically like this is like an, a a very like a guy that is closer to his way out of the league than he is like in his prime, just because of the way his knees are. Um, so it's probably, I mean, it's yeah. problematic in a lot of ways. Everything is, but also like you have to look at who the, who some of these players are that are getting hurt and you have to just ask yourself the question like, Oh, like Mike Conley too. Like Mike Conley's missed a ton of time for that exact same injury. Is that because of this? Like, I don't know. Like some of it is that too. And to, to tie it back into the thunder, you know, we talk about the Patrick Beverly year with Westbrook. We talk about the calf injury to Ibaka. Yeah. Um, when he came back against the Spurs, think about how many teams are going to have like how many fan bases will have a legitimate excuse this year that they will tell themselves like, oh, remember 2021, if we had just had Jamal Murray. Right. Like legitimately, mm-hmm. Denver would have been a favorite mm-hmm. if if the Clippers, if they end up losing to the Jazz because Kawhi can't come back this series. Legitimate claim like Lakers fans with Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like, they, I mean, that series, they probably win that series against the Suns, or at least it goes a lot longer. It's just, it, it's nuts. And I don't really know how to think about it. The thing that I keep coming back to for the other teams, it's like, it's amazing how well this is set up for the Sixers. And they have not <laughs> like really taken advantage of it. I know. Like, they look they look so dumb in that, that game four against the Hawks. That was a travesty. Like, they... they <laughs> They could have got up 3-1. They would have been looking great. They would have maybe been playing, you know, this dumb Bucks team or the beat-up Nets team. Yeah. Like, it really set up well for them. And now this is going at least six. <laughs> and knowing the Sixers, it will probably go seven. I know. I know. And they're just so clearly the better team in that series. Yes. Which is infuriating. Yes. It's a, absolutely. That game was so infuriating to watch. Uh they just need to take care of business. Like they just they need to show their dominance because the thing about it is this Sixers like if the Sixers have a title window, I'd say it's between now and the end of July. They need to take it. Like this is their chance to go win the NBA title. I don't oh, yeah. I don't think that they're good enough to beat like the best teams when they're healthy. They're not good enough to beat the Lakers when they're healthy. They're not good enough to beat the Nets when they're healthy. Both of those teams could be gone. Now the Nets were incredible last night. The Bucks still have a chance to win that series, but it feels very bleak. But with the injuries to Kyrie Irving and we don't know if if James Harden's going to be able to continue. Like this is your chance. Like you need to go take it. And then I think they can beat anybody out West. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And they are one of those teams, along with the Bucks, where I think you could have made an amazing case for them during the regular season. Like, this team is most primed to win the championship. Yeah. And they've just looked different in the playoffs. Like, it just has not worked out as you planned. And and you know obviously they took care of business against the Wizards in the in the first round, mm-hmm. but just like not really having a player on their roster that can both create for others and score for themselves, mm-hmm. like the fact that you have to sit Ben Simmons at the end of games, yeah. 
it's just all these things start cropping up and it's like oh that's why i told myself to never really bind the sixers team and yet yeah. they still have a great chance this year mm-hmm. like i trust joel Embiid more than i do Giannis at this point though oh yeah even as terrible as he was in the second half of that game i think he was like oh for 12 like he at least well i say he most of the time knows what his strengths are and what he should be doing he did take some like dumb threes yeah at like very key points which Giannis does that too but i do feel like joel Embiid knows what he's supposed to do at the end of a game like that last play that he missed that layup like that was a beautiful play like that was mm-hmm. incredible mm-hmm. like he just missed it whereas with Giannis, like that game last night oh my him gosh. going to the backing down harden who can't move and then doing the fadeaway like that's that's the play everyone's talking about like he's taking this kobe shot it's like who do you think you are like Obviously, you're a two-time MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, but like, that's not the reason. Yeah, it's not because you, you shot incredibly difficult Kobe-esque fadeaways. What are you doing? <laughs> well, the just the most egregious one is fumbling the ball at the end of the game, right? Oh yeah, that was, I mean, no, yeah, it was brutal. The fact that they were so obviously, we should talk about KD. KD was amazing, unbelievable. One of, one of the best KD performance the, I, performances I've ever seen. And I've seen almost all, I've seen probably all of the great ones. And that one still like was a different level. And let's be honest. One of the reasons why that was one of the greatest performances we've seen is because it's one of the first times where we've seen everything being on his plate. Like he, if they're going to win, he's going to have to do something extraordinary. Yep. But somebody, uh, Mike, Micah Adams tweeted last night. You know, we've talked about the basketball reference stat game score, yeah. which tries to like encapsulate how good a player's game was into just a single number. So he finished with a game score last night of 50.4, <laughs> which is high, higher than any playoff game from Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or Kobe Bryant. That's like, I, it, I believe it. it like after incredible. seeing it, yeah, I don't, I have zero doubts that that is absolutely true. He was just hitting shot after shot like when he was hitting like back-to-back deep difficult threes you're just like oh like nobody does that nobody does that right uh and yet (laughs) and yet if the bucks had just had a normal game like a normal game plan if they had adjusted it all they would have won that game by double digits despite even with kd doing everything he did i know and even still they had a chance at the end like you talked about Giannis fumbling that pass. Oh, that pass is a dunk. He had a dunk. Like that was one of those games where it feels like every single thing has to go right for the Nets to come away with that. Like KD literally has to have a transcendent playoff performance unlike anything we've ever seen just for them to have a chance. Mm-hmm. And and so when that but when the buzzer sounded, it feels like even though they won by six, like wow, they stole that game. Like yeah. the Bucks should have won that game. Yeah, they were up seventeen, and yeah, and they just insisted on no, 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 more Brooke Lopez, more. I don't. Yeah, let's keep <laughs> dropping against everyone. Let's, let's play drop coverage against the fastest seven footer in the league, who's going to get past our guy every time. Let's do that. And not only that, like who else on the Nets, are you worried about driving to the rim? Like, Harden wasn't going to be doing it last night. Oh, Harden. Gosh, I don't know. Here's the thing. I'm credit to the Nets for winning that game. 
Durant played every second of that game. Harden played 46 minutes in a game where he was like, <laughs> I don't know if I can play. Right. More than any other buck. He didn't sit. I don't think he sat in the second half because I think he played 22 minutes in the first and then didn't sit in the second half. And he scored five points. He was one of 10. Yeah, I think he was like 0 of 8 from 3. Yeah. Which, yeah, 1 of 10, 0 of 8 from 3. Like, he was not driving. Yeah. Like, he was not interested in going to the rim. No one else on that team really scares you going to the rim. And yet, do they adjust at all? Do they account for that at all? Because they're paying this drop coverage against KD, who obviously he can score from anywhere, but one of the places where he's most deadly is the mid-range. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, you can just have that shot every single time, whenever you want. Mm-hmm. We're not going to change at all. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. No big deal. Yeah, absolutely insane. And then you had like the big like, – it was the Jeff Green game, too. Like one of Jeff Green's most insane games ever. He was 7 of 8 from 3. Yeah. 27 points, one board, three assists. Like good defense. He played a. He was incredible, and like Blake was good. Like Blake has been good. Like he's been really solid for them. And then that was it. Like Joe Harris, one of seven from three. Uh, Bruce Brown, one of five from the field. James Harden, zero of eight from three, one of ten overall. Uh, Landry Shamit hit a three and played some pretty good minutes for them. But like that was it. That's all they got. It was all they got, and the Bucks still couldn't win. And the Bucks and, couldn't win. And it was so many things. I mean, what Giannis does, like his play, because on the one hand, you look at his box score, and it's like awesome, like super efficient. I mean, he's 14 to 22, I think. You know, he missed obviously his normal amount of free throws, but like he, he still got his points, he got his stats, and he did it efficiently. And yet watching the game, there are just so many moments where it's like, why are you taking that shot? Why do you have the ball right now? (laughs) And then when other guys have the ball, it's like, why are you not attacking James Harden every single time down the court? I mean, if this was, for instance, if they had traded last summer for Chris Paul, which they could have gotten much cheaper than Drew Holiday, don't you think Chris Paul would have been going at James Harden on every single trip down the court? Yes. Yes, I do. Every single trip. I mean, we we saw it in that game against the Lakers when they tried to play Anthony Davis. I feel like Booker went at Anthony Davis like three straight plays at the beginning of that game. Just like test him out. Like, let's see you do it. And then he was out of the game within a couple minutes. Yeah. Like, I don't see watching James Harden last night, who could not really move laterally, like just do that every single time. You could maybe get him out of the game. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah, I think you definitely could have. I think you definitely could have. And instead, they're like posting him up, which is like if you're gonna, if there's one thing James Harden is good at defensively, where he's not gonna have to move laterally, they just post him up. Yeah, it was it was disastrous. He waved he waved the Nets off on that play. <laughs> they thought he needed help, and he said, "No, I got Giannis here. No big deal. I can't move, <laughs> but I'm not worried about this at all." That is, Jeez. that is so sad. That is. So, I, so I would sad. be going insane if I was a Bucks fan. Yeah. Just just hearing all that BS during the season about how like yeah they're not winning as many games this year, but like things are different. Like they're trying new stuff. This is a team that's going to be more prepared for the playoffs. And despite them sweeping the Heat in the first round, they have been terrible in the playoffs. Like even in that series, 
they were not good. Giannis was not good in that series. It's just Miami was so terrible. Mm-hmm. But like their offense, I was I sent a text to you guys because we were talking about it. Their offense dropped from like a 116 offensive rating to a 106 offensive rating, which is down where like Oklahoma City was for most of the season. That's what their offense has been like in the playoffs. And you say, well, defenses get better. Miami Heat are a good defensive team. But like the Nets aren't. No. Like, why can you not solve this Nets team? Like, you're bigger than everyone on the court. And yet you're still just like jacking up threes. And by the way, they almost hit 50% of their threes last night. I know. And they still lost. It's such a huge, <laughs> such a huge missed opportunity, man. It's so huge. And because this was, I mean, more than any other team probably, this was an all-in season. I mean, they still have these guys for the future, but the fact that they made that trade for Drew Holiday, giving up all those picks... They gave up another pick for P.J. Tucker, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. It's just so frustrating because all of those moves made sense and made you excited about the Bucs going all in Mm -hmm. for for a championship. Mm -hmm. And yet here they are again where it's just like, what the hell are you guys doing? Have you you learned anything? Yeah, they – I don't know. I I love the Drew Holiday move. He's been really good for them. But you just – wonder had they just saved those chips for James Harden because like the trade is about the same right like it's not that different what what Houston got and what New Orleans got so yeah I mean I I just think the Chris Paul thing is so much more realistic sure oh it's absolutely realistic absolutely realistic they wouldn't even have to give up as much as they did for Drew Holiday and the, the reason why that move would have been so much better is because Chris Paul brings with him that cachet of, no, I'm going to bring up the ball. I am leading this team. I am going to set things up. Whereas, like, that's that's not really Drew Holiday's game. Yeah. And so it allows for this Giannis, point Giannis thing, yeah. which has looked good in the past but is not looking good right now. And right. I just – I don't know – what they do going forward. And it makes me think, you know what? Some type of trade for CJ McCollum might actually make sense for this team because that's the type of player they need. Like someone who can play make, who can get to the rim, who can shoot threes, who can basically do a lot of things while being a problem defensively. I think CJ would actually help them out a lot, their offense. Yeah, I just don't know if he's a set the table guy. I feel like he's one more of kind of the same character. You yeah, know? I mean, he's a much better offensive player than Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday hasn't scored 20 points in the playoffs. I know. I just Like, that's a problem. Like, part of my deal is I just don't trust him. I just, like, do you trust CJ McCollum? Like, Why do you trust Drew? Like, Drew I don't trust Drew. I'm just saying that, like, they may have missed the boat on, like, Chris Paul and James Harden is what I'm saying. Oh, for, I, I for sure believe that. But I just think they need to bring someone who's more dynamic offensively, which I do think CJ is more dynamic than either Chris Middleton or a Drew Holiday. Yeah. Because their offense is just like stuck in mud. It just looks so bad every single trip. Oh, they actually yeah. Look, I'll say they, they looked good in the first half last night. I felt like especially like the first quarter, like they, they were running a, a sensible offense. Yeah, they were flowing then. But then – like they were basically only getting things in the paint at the end. Like those were the only shots that they were willing to take. Almost like they were scared, you know, to do anything otherwise. 
so frustrating. <laughs> and on the flip side, on the flip side, like you could totally imagine if they got a really good coach next year. Yeah, this could look completely different. Who would you Who would you want? Well, hell, if Eric Spolstra's name is out there, go get Spo. Why is Spo? <laughs> why are there rumors about Spo to Portland? I don't know. If that was if that was ever a scenario, obviously that would be it. I don't. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, he went to school. Obviously, like the rumors are about like him going to school there, and you know, kind of right. like a homecoming type of deal. But I don't know, man. I. <laughs> I mean, what about what about D'Antoni? I know. I know. You told me he's ninety years old. I know. And some people are excited about that. That's great. That he's ninety. That he's ninety. <laughs> They're ready for his birthday party. It's going to be great. Uh, man, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know about that. I think he. They, they're obviously going to make a change. There's no way Bud survives this. This yeah. has been too egregious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I guess I would like to see what Dan Tony could do with that Bucks team. I don't think he'd be playing playing Brooke Lopez. That's for sure. But. I don't Bring Jason Kidd back. Bring Jason Kidd back. <laughs> I don't understand the Jason Kidd stuff either. Yeah, I don't really either. Because um, it wasn't like his coaching resume was so amazing. Right. No. It was not. I don't know. I mean, maybe they, maybe the Bucks find their Nick Nurse. You know, maybe they, maybe it's not a big name like Dan Tony. Yeah. I mean, they have they have Dar- Darvin Ham. They have Charles Lee. Like maybe they really believe in those guys. Yeah, sure, maybe, sure. Maybe that's how this turns out, because Bud is like so stuck in his ways. Yeah. Contrast him with Ty Lue, who it doesn't always work out. But Ty Lue, the second like after a game, if something didn't go well in that game, he's going to throw something else at the wall. Like he'll yeah. try something. Yeah, it's true, and that's super frustrating (laughs) just i mean it's just all more of the same stuff with bud it is it's brutal and it's been it's been years of it now years of it yes it is it's uh it's insane uh back to Kawhi. you know what Kawhi shooting from two probably some absurd amount he's been amazing he's shooting uh in the playoffs He's shooting 64.5% from two on 13 attempts. He's he's getting close to the eight numbers. Yeah. And he's taking jumpers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when when Kawhi's on, because like everything about him is so mechanical. Yeah. When Kawhi's on, it really does feel like there's like no stopping this dude. There were there were there was a few of those games against Dallas. I think it was game four. Mm-hmm. It was just like, this is absurd. Like, I, you just can't do anything. Like, just pack it in. Like, you're not beating the Clippers when Kawhi's like this. Yeah. To take that to take that away from that team. I mean, this team already felt like patched together in terms of like their offensive ceiling. Mm-hmm. And it really felt like you, you really need everyone to really manage this without a, a true point guard because it doesn't seem like playoff Rondo is ever happening for them. Yeah. So to take him off this team, I'm really interested to see how bad it looks or like what Tyloo can get out of this roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I <laughs> I don't feel great about it, especially if Mike Conley can play. Do we know his status? It nothing's been announced yet. I'll double check my uh, my feed, but yeah, yeah. I mean, huge opportunity for the Jazz. They have to go take it. You have to. Like, similar to the window that I was talking about with with the uh, the Sixers. This is the Jazz's window. Like here it is. You have Chris Paul out. You have Kawhi Leonard out. Take it. Go take it. Nope. That, I mean, that would be just as devastating as any of these other teams losing. Um, like, like even going back to like old Houston teams, like the Jazz are good enough to win a championship this year. Like, given these circumstances, they are absolutely good enough mm-hmm. at this point. So, as, especially if, they, obviously, if they get Mike Conley back, but. So there's been four players in the history of the NBA that have shot, that have had these shooting splits, shooting 64% or better from two, 39% or better from three. Um, actually, hold on. Let me make one more adjustment here. Um, Are you on stat head? I'm stat head. Okay. Gosh. Okay. So there's been two players in the history of the NBA that have shot 64% or better from two. 39% are better from two, while also shooting thirteen at, at least 13 attempts from two, which is a lot. It's Kawhi and Dwayne Wade, and that's it. Oh, wow. I, was gonna, I would have guessed LeBron, like one of those Miami years. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I don't know what criteria LeBron misses. Um, I'm guessing it's threes, although he's had some nice three-point runs yeah, in the playoffs. He, he's had years where he shot 40%. But no, like it's it's Dwayne Wade. It's twenty two thousand nine ten Dwayne Wade, and it's Kawhi, and that's the end of the list of what, like statistically, what he's doing. That's just it's obviously kind of this random number, but still, like it just shows like how devastating he's been in the playoffs. He's been one of the better guys in the playoffs, period. And then for him to go down is like, I mean, I don't like the Clippers. It's great, but it's a it's a real bummer because we were seeing like historical stuff from him, and I just, I worry about Durant, man. Like that performance was spectacular, but I worry about him playing for. Oh, especially minutes. this year. Yeah, it's like who's next? I know. Like this, it's not like we're going to be done with injuries in this postseason. Probably not. And if you were to like bet. It's probably the guy that played every single second of the game and had to do everything on offense and defense for the team because nobody else could do anything, right? We're going to end up with like Joe Ingles' finals MVP just because he's like the last man standing. (laughs) Actually, I would kind of like that a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, speaking of Dwayne Wade, did you watch The Cube, Andrew? I watched The Cube last night. No, I did not. (laughs) Did not watch The Cube. Thoughts on The Cube? Thoughts on the cube? Uh, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I don't like that the little box talks. I don't like that it has a oh, voice. Oh, it talks. And sentient. Yeah, it talks. I don't like that part because he he sounds like the banker from Deal or No Deal, um, and, and oh. I get a little confused there. But the individual <laughs> games that you play, you know, they're so simple. They're deceivingly simple, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I kind of enjoy that part of it, and they're all like physical activities. And then you can call in Dwayne Wade whenever you want. I thought it was fine. Yeah, that's weird. That's a weird thing. Dwayne's doing a lot. He is. You know? I mean, he's, he's a good personality. 
You, I like him. Yeah, you think he is? Yeah, yeah. I like Dwayne Wade. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> cool. let's, let's go to the stream. Uh, JD Brown is here. Tyler Field, the Flugie from Germany. Uh, Tom Bystander says, I can't stop thinking about next Tuesday. We'll uh, talk about that after our break. Uh, Miguel Devella is here. Thomas Eldridge. Uh, Nate Sanders. Last Wednesday pod before the lottery. That's right. Oh, that's uh, true. Wow. Nathan in Dubbo, Australia. We have Dave Perrick in Wanakee, Wisconsin. We have Chad Scott. I've started the stream late. I apologize to everybody. We are sitting here talking just to ourselves for a little while. Uh, apologies for that. Uh, Trevor Halbach in Tulsa. Jay says, what's up, fellas? Uh, Simon Shin, hello from L.A., from Simon Eat Dog. I don't know what that means, but thanks for being here. Uh, let's see. No Joy from Australia. Uh, Bradley Ross from Broken Arrow. We have Nathan Creamer in Edmond. What's up? Uh, let's see. Tyler Field saying something sad. I won't even say it on the stream, Tyler. Uh, Chad Scott, uh, incredibly tired in Yukon, Oklahoma. Thanks for joining anyways. Jake's Hen Jake Hendricks in Kansas City. We have Ty Gatewood in Silky Town, West Virginia. We have Jesse Smith. He says from afar, I always thought that Bud was a good coach and wondered why he keeps getting, why he keeps getting fired. And now I get it. Uh, let's see, Michael Roth. I, he said that uh, watching Scott Brooks era Thunder offense felt like the Bucks last night. I actually texted you guys that that it felt like so Scott Brooksy. Where it's like, no, we're gonna play our guys. <laughs> this is what we do. Uh, so bad. Um, let's see, anybody else? Jesse Smith is in Florida. Hey, shouts. Uh, the Tall Shot in OKC. Hoopstock69, who I believe is still on the moon. Uh, Alex Bullerjack. What's up, Alex? He's in Bethany, Oklahoma. Andrew Gibson in Stillwater. Uh, and then Miguel Devella says, I'm sensing the fry pot is an hour of lottery simulation. Yeah, probably right. Kyler Kendrick. Uh, he says, Poku here, checking in from Poku land. Thank you. Hope you guys are doing well, and we'll be right back after this quick break. And we're back after that quick break. Alex, the lottery is on Tuesday. If you are in or around Oklahoma City, or even, even maybe a few hours away, come join us at the Mule in Edmond. It's at 16 South Broadway in Edmond. Uh, it's going to be a super fun time, and we're hoping to pack the house and be excited or sad together all in one place. So come join us. Come get some good food. The The food is amazing. We'll talk more about the food on Friday, I assume. Um, we'll have everybody give their favorite thing to get at the Mule. Alice, what's your favorite thing at the Mule, by the way? Uh well, unfortunately, I, I can't do dairy, so uh, a grilled cheese place is tough. However, no. the Mule has a great turkin, turkin? Turkin? turkey avocado uh, sandwich. Yeah, I think it's turkey turkey bacon avocado, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, and I get that, and I get it with their fries, which are, I mean, some of the best fries in OKC. I love yeah. their fries. 
Yeah, the fries are really good. And uh, then you get a cold beer. <laughs> and you get a cold beer. Uh, uh, Tall Shot OKC is asking what time. You can come really whatever time. The lottery starts. The lottery show starts at 7.30. And it's like 90% fluff, 10% information about the 10% the information that you actually want. So they're going to go through, like, look who won the lottery last year. Here's the history of the lottery. Here's the guys that you like in the draft. Here's a picture of Cade Cunningham. You know, they'll do that for 25 minutes. Uh, And then they'll actually go to the results. So you can come whenever. If you want to eat, I would say be there by 6 or 6.30 or even earlier if you'd like to, like, sit down and have some food and enjoy yourself and then... If you just want to come for the lottery portion, you're free to come at like 7, 7.30, and you can just hang out and just be there. So Hang out and have a beer. <clears throat> yeah. Lively Beer Works uh, is going to be uh, going to be there, man. So it should be a great time. I'm excited about it. It's our first event uh, since lockdown and COVID and everything, so it should be should be a fantastic time. So join us then. Alex, you want to hey. take a tankathon spin? Uh, yes, 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 yes. What were you one, say? only one, only one. Okay, only one. It has to be a good one. Who I'm nervous. It's yeah, good. that's how it should be. You shouldn't get to do it ten times. Come on, Dad. Um. All right. One time. Here one we time. go. And. Wow! See, this is this is one of the bad scenarios. This is reality. Look at this is this just is reality. It's a good hard look at reality. So Orlando one, Sacramento two, Houston three, Toronto four, Detroit five. That would suck for Detroit too, and then OKC yeah, sure. six. Yeah, that's so six that's and, reality, and you can't respin reality, Andrew. You can't six and eighteen, and then the problem is like there's no. And maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. There's no consensus six best player in this draft. Uh, yeah. I I think it would be quite the mystery as to who OKC would select at that spot. Oh, for sure. And this is one of the reasons why I know you and Mikey are already doing it, but it's one of the reasons why I am refusing to jump in to like really learning about these draft guys until we know. Mm-hmm. Because if, if this if this ends up how it is, where we just get the sixth pick. Like, there's no reason for me to learn about Jalen Suggs, Kate Cunningham, like Jalen Green. We're not, we're not getting those guys. Well, I'm I, not going to learn about them. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out a trade. Um, but yeah, it's at that point you have to believe that it's like pretty unlikely that they get any of those guys. And I've been, we're going to do our Jonathan Kaminga one this week, and. Kaminga's really interesting. He's really interesting. Uh, real quick on the, uh, you know, we were talking about the playoffs, all these teams that should feel like this was the year we could do it. And obviously it's only going to ha- happen for one team. A guy I follow on Twitter, Jason Maples, he said, Warriors really ruined a golden opportunity not chasing wins. It's like, yeah, that's another team. Like, if they were healthy, which they, I mean, they were at the end of the season, but if they had actually like tried to win games by like putting better pieces around that, that core that they have, even though it's just Draymond and Steph, like mm-hmm. if they had gotten to this point, 
Like, yeah, they'd be just as good as any other team in the playoffs right now. What could they have done? I guess would be my question. I mean, what could they have done? I mean, it would have to be something other than Kelly Oubre. Because that that was like their move to make, and that's what they decided to use it on. Are you going to redact all your Kelly Oubre takes, all your preseason Kelly Oubre takes? Uh, no, because I w- watch and see what he gets paid this summer. Watch and see. <laughs> I'm interested. The uh, I've I don't know. Like, did the Warriors keep him? Like, the only reason the Warriors keep him is so that he can be on their books and so that they can trade him, right? Well, yeah. I mean, they yeah. If if he leaves, then they don't ha- get to use that roster spot. They almost have to resign him. They have to. Yes, it's very similar to like a Norm Powell in Portland situation. Yeah. Definitely. Norm Powell would fit better. Yeah. Go sign Norm Powell. Yeah, they could, they could have had George Hill. Could have had George Hill. And really all they would have had to do is take off the protections on their pick. But would that be worth it? Like, I don't know that that would even be worth it for them. Probably not for George Hill. Yeah. Obviously, what they it's more so they obviously had one big move, but it's also the fact that they're like honestly, like five through nine players are all like former G Leaguers or first or second year players. Yeah, mostly not good players. I just don't don't know that I don't know if that's fair to the Warriors or Warriors fans to say that. They couldn't even, I think it absolutely is. They couldn't even beat Memphis. Yeah, in one game. I know they couldn't beat him in one game. I just, I mean, they were one of the hottest teams down the stretch. I think if that team had been built better, even without Clay Thompson, based on the season we got from Steph, like if you just have sub in Jay Crowder, who was available, instead of one of these random G leaguers that they were playing, if you get a couple guys like that, just veterans instead of building up the back of your roster with guys who probably won't be on the league, which is what they did last year as well. Yeah. Remember Kai Bowman? Oh, I could never forget Kai Bowman. I I don't know, man. I'm just not – they were too far away. They had, they had, like, hardly any rotation players, any, like, real live rotation players. Um, do you want to talk about All-NBA? Yeah, we can talk All-NBA. Uh, so All NBA was announced yesterday. Uh, you know, it was going to be there's this this year more than any other year. There were going to be significant snubs, yeah, snubs and flubs. But I think especially this year, and it's probably recency bias, but you know, Trey, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, seeing what those guys are doing in the playoffs makes you kind of like rethink their regular season. Like, mm-hmm. wow, these guys are sign- – not significantly, but these guys are even better than I thought. Like, mm-hmm. you see what they're doing in the playoffs. You see them taking it to a different level when the stakes are high. And it's like, wow, these guys should have been on these teams. But I would say and, – and Jason Tatum. I, I mean, I think Jason Tatum has a great case. I think there's a, actually a lot of guys who have a great case. Mm-hmm. Who would you – one, if you could choose one of those guys to make it who didn't make it who would you pick and then two who would you take off who do you think is at the end of the line i know that's the tough thing like all these guys had great seasons it's hard to take off 
Like Steph was incredible. Luca, Dame, CP, Bradley Beal, Kyrie. Um, I mean, like, I want to say Donovan Mitchell probably should be on there, but like, who are you taking? Like, I just don't know that it makes sense to even take anybody off of that list. I mean, if you wanted to make so the the problem with Mitchell is he actually played less games than Kyrie. Because if you want to make the argument like, oh, we should take off Kyrie because he only played fifty four games, which in this season was actually like a normal amount. Yeah. But like Mitchell played fewer games than that. He played 53. So you can't really make that argument. Yeah. It's, I, I think the guy I would put six on that list is Bradley Beal, which again, this is a guy who was like a couple good games from being like the points per game leader, like from winning the scoring Great title. Season. Great season. Yeah. But it's just that, that wizards team, even despite them coming back in the second half, it's like he never really believed in them. And yeah, I don't know. I personally, out of all, all the guys who were left off, I actually think I would go with Trey Young. Cause I really? think Trey, yeah, I think Trey Young had a higher degree of difficulty than a lot of these other guys because he doesn't have a second star. Much more of the Hawks success fell on his shoulders in comparison to some of these other guys. I mean, Booker had CP3, Mitchell had Conley and Gobert. Again, Mitchell missed a significant amount of games. He missed 17 games, Mm -hmm. and they were still the number one seed. And I think that Trey Young, one, he was an all-star snub. He absolutely should have been in the all-star game. And two, I just think that he had a really good season. If you look at the advanced stats on these guys, like Kyrie is far and away having the best statistical season. Like his percentages are absolutely absurd. He had a 50, 40, 90 season, but Trey young is right there with him. Like in terms of the advanced stats and yeah, again, it comes back to that degree of difficulty for me where he, he has to be their best scorer. He has Mm -hmm. to be their table setter, their playmaker. Is he not good on defense? No, but he's, I mean, like not good is an understatement probably. But at the same time, we're comparing him to who? Brad Beal, Kyrie Irving. Like, these aren't, like, defensive stalwarts. Yeah, but they at least, I don't know. Like, Beal tried this year. Um, I would say Trey is trying right now <laughs> in the playoffs. I don't believe that. I don't know. He, if he is trying, then, he's, then it's more hopeless than, than I even thought. I don't know. I just think he had a, a very underrated season. and I would say, yes, he had an underrated season. Did he have an all? I just don't believe he had an all NBA season. I don't know, man. His That's all. I mean, his true shooting numbers, what he did offensively, I mean, he, he's, he's going to be the next version of, you know, like the Harden or Luka Doncic, like these, these heliocentric teams that all revolve around one guy. Yeah. And, the Hawks got away from that a little bit. I mean, his scoring is down this season compared to previous seasons because they finally gave him some guys who can shoot. I mean, Bogdanovich in the second half of the year became a huge piece for them that they just did not have last season. Yeah, he's very um, good. He's very good. But yeah, I don't know. That would be my guy. Who would you, I mean, you have to pick someone. You picked Mitchell? <laughs> I think Mitchell had a really nice season. I don't know. I probably I don't I don't have any qualms with the guards. I'll say that. Like those What about my... Tatum? What about Tatum over one of the forwards? Because, you know, Tatum actually had more points, more votes than whoever was last. I think it might have been Beal. Um, 
but because he got more votes as a forward, he got compared to the forwards. And so that's the reason he lost. Yeah. I believe that's what happened. So, I mean, it's easy to look at like Randall and be like, yeah, that was fake. Get him off. Get him out of there. <laughs> In retrospect, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy had a nice season. So I don't know if I can take him off. Paul George was great in the regular season. I don't really I mean, I think that that is correct with the season. I don't know. I don't really have a lot of qualms with who's there, honestly. T- Tatum the Boston season was just so weird. Left a bad taste in your mouth. They were 500. They shouldn't have been 500. I mean, so were so were the Wiz. The Wiz were even more trash. Yeah, I just think their roster is like way more trash than Boston's. I, honestly, I don't even know if that's true. If you compare like, the like Wizards Evan, roster, Evan Fournier to playoffs, is better than like any other wing that's on the Wizards. I guess, but that's the comparison you're making. Like Evan Fournier, that's the guy I know. you have to stick up for. I know, like it's I know, not but good. I know he's not good. I know. Um, and Kemba missed a lot of time, but Kemba was actually all right. Like he played pretty well when he was at, when he was actually in the lineup. Marcus Smart's really good. I don't know. Um, I wanted to. Uh, so we brought up a lot of names. We should mention Westbrook as well. Obviously, had a great second half of the season. Yeah, um, I'm glad he didn't make it because it just doesn't tell. It that's it happened with him with the Rockets where he started off horrid, had a great second half, and he made All NBA. It's like okay. I don't. It doesn't tell the story of the whole season. Yeah, I would agree so, with that. So I appreciate that he's not there, just because it doesn't it doesn't tell the holistic story of what happened. But he he was he was fantastic just to end the season. But you talk about Luca, Steph, Dame, Chris Paul, Beal, and Irving. Like they brought it every game that they were in. Um, I thought it'd be fun to look at some of the advanced stats that are like all-in-one stats Mm -hmm. and tell you who the highest-ranked player who didn't make the All-NBA team was, according to that stat. Okay. Um, So starting off, first of all, let me bring up the list (laughs) because I forgot that Paul George had made it and he was one of the guys I was going to bring up. Okay, I see (laughs) the list now. I know who they are. Okay. Okay. So uh, first, 538's Raptor. 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 By the way, none of these names are anyone we've mentioned so far. Oh, good. Which is why I think it's interesting. Clint Capella. Oh. Tenth tenth overall in Raptor, 538. Nice. Should have made it, Andrew. Should have made it. Should have made room (laughs) for him. Next. We need all NBA fifth team for for Clint Capella. People are saying that. People are talking. (laughs) We got to have five teams. PR. This one you, you could probably guess. Zion, Zion Williamson. Yeah, he's sure. fourth overall in PR. Mm-hmm. Win shares, win shares. It was Bam Adebayo mm. who was ninth in win shares this year. Bam is somebody that probably preseason people people thought, like, hey, he's he's probably what is he the second best center in the league now? You know, after their bubble run. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then two guys who got who who were named in two of these. So box plus minus, ESPN RPM, James Harden. He was seventh in box plus minus, eighth in ESPN RPM. We know yeah. why he didn't make it. Yeah. And then this one that blew me away, VORP, and then NBA Math TPA. You know that uh, account? Yeah. This guy ranks sixth in VORP, 
seventh in NBA Math TPA. It was Nikola Vucevic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Don't like that stat. <laughs> but the point is, like, you legitimately could make a case for maybe eight to ten more guys mm-hmm. to have made these teams. Yeah, you could have. But I think, I, I don't know, I think overall they did a good job. Tatum, like, the more I think about it, like maybe Tatum is like the only one that you could really have beef about. Um, okay, we've talked about everything I want to talk about except for the Mavs story. Yeah, let's talk a little bit of Mavs and then we can bounce. Uh, so if you have not read it yet, you know, this is one of the reasons why a an athletic subscription is so good because these types of stories. Yeah. And you get you get like two of these a year where yeah. it's just like so, something juicy, you know, so something juicy. Yeah. Something that has been really well sourced, has yeah. a ton of details, has a ton of anecdotes. That I mean, that's the best part. And this one was written by Tim Cada, who was on the Slam and Jam last Friday. Probably should have had him on this week. And <laughs> he was on tampering yesterday for yesterday's episode on the athletic nba show so check that out he was um but it was basically all about Haralabov vulgaris who everyone who's been on nba twitter for the last decade knows who he is because he yep. kind of made a name for himself as a gambler but he became one of those accounts that you follow if you're on nba twitter mm-hmm. and a lot of his tweets would often come out come off as super arrogant I would say that was definitely part of his persona on Twitter. It turns out it might be part of his persona in real life as well. Mm -hmm. That may translate. Uh, But he would appear on the the Bill Simmons podcast. And he got hired by the Mavs a few years ago, and it wasn't necessarily talked about that much. He he was not like a face of their franchise in any way. Right. Um, But this whole article is about how he has kind of been this shadow GM, running the Mavs, not necessarily having the final say on everything, but – be the, being the driving force behind so many of their decisions. And Tim brings up a, what, what some of those decisions are. For instance, last year drafting Josh Green and Tyrell Terry, not asking the scouts, the scouting department with the Mavs, who they would want. And it was really <laughs> funny listening to yeah. Mavs Moneyball, which I think is, is a great Mavs blog, and they do a, a podcast as well. And Tim was actually on that podcast because he used to be the editor-in-chief for Mavs Moneyball. But it was it was way more interesting listening to them talk about it in light of the podcast because it's all stuff that they've been talking about for two years, which is like, why, why are they doing this? Like, and I didn't know this cause I don't know a ton about Josh green, but they were like, Josh green doesn't really fit this Mavs roster. He doesn't fit what the Mavs players traditionally do. This mm-hmm. is a really weird pick. Um, and going back to some of their other trades or, or, or free agent signings that they had, the big one being DeLon, Wright. Like this isn't going to work. And then you read in the story that Haralabob wanted DeLon Wright to be the starter next to Luka Doncic, and that they tried that out for like two games, and then by the 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 playoffs, yeah, yeah, by the playoffs he wasn't even playing. Um, I just thought it was such a fascinating story because the through line, like obviously the headline is about Haralabob, but the actual story is about Mark Cuban. Yeah, like all of this stems from Mark Cuban, Mm -hmm. and. That 2011 championship is one of those championships where it just completely altered the way certain people were thought about in the league. One of which, who we usually talk about is Dirk, mm-hmm. but the other one is Mark Cuban. Yep. Because if Mark Cuban doesn't win that championship, 
he is thought about so much differently today than he is. And it, I do feel like the tide is obviously turning on him now because now people are starting to pay attention. Like, yeah, what has happened with the Mavs for the last decade? <laughs> the last decade. I mean, they've been... We talk about the Portland Trailblazers being like a mediocre, like on the treadmill type franchise who can always make the playoffs, but they're never, you never think of them as contender. Like the Mavs have been significantly worse than that. Yeah. I mean, we sure. talked about that. They haven't won a playoff series since the last time, since 2011, the, the ring year. Um, but I just thought it, it's such an interesting story because it gets to the heart of this idea of the impact of an owner and what an owner can influence can be on a franchise sure. because we've talked for years and years you know Dallas would always leave their cap space open because you know most recently they were chasing Giannis remember when they were chasing D will remember when they were chasing Dwight Howard and they never got any of those guys remember when they were chasing DeAndre Jordan that was the closest they got they, they got still real close didn't get them yep and I feel like we never thought about the reason being Mark Cuban and mm-hmm. Go on to Mavs Moneyball because uh, Kirk, their, their site leader, he kind of listed out all the different things that Mark Cuban has done over the last decade that would potentially alienate him from players around the league. And yeah. it's kind of an impressive list. On their own, none of them really mean that much. Like, remember when he said that the Lakers should amnesty Kobe and then yeah. Kobe came out, had a huge game, and then tweeted, amnesty that. You know, yes. it's, oh. all, it's, all, it's yeah. all things like that. Yeah. But and, and like he said that uh, Westbrook and Draymond Green weren't superstars, and that like he he has all these unforced errors where he just like talks crap on stars around the league, and then we wonder why do the Mavs not get any free agents? And I do think there is a connection there, especially in today's world where you read that. Uh, and Kirk brought this up in his article. You read that article with Rich Paul in the New York New Yorker, New York Times, yeah. where he still has so much disdain for bill simmons because of what bill simmons wrote like literally 12 years ago in an article about lebron and it's like imagine if bill simmons was the owner of the team he would never get a rich paul client never you know and mark cuban is like the closest approximation we have to someone like bill simmons being the owner of a team and so while all of these individual incidents seem like not that big of a deal in a vacuum Put together, you can start building this narrative like, oh, I bet there's a lot of player and player agents around the league who just do not like Mark Cuban. I'm sure, yes. And as we saw, like, with the Knicks, I, as we continue to see with the Knicks, like, there's a reason why they don't get free agents, right? <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, they could have, if they were just a normal franchise, they probably would have had KD and Kyrie. Yes. Yes. Had they just had an owner that just no one even really knew who they were and and this is one of the nice things you could say about uh, the oklahoma city ownership group like they just don't you never hear anything never anything (laughs) i don't never hear a quote yeah yeah it is pretty it is pretty wild which is the way it should be yes it is yeah it's interesting there are rich paul doesn't have any mavs clients yeah, he he. Well, he had Nerlens and got him to turn down that huge deal. Mm-hmm. Remember that one, but mm-hmm. that that was the last one. But yeah, and and going back to that, you know, like Mark Cuban said that, uh, you know, the nice thing about uh, Doncic is that he was a European player, and they actually learned how to play the game, 
and then you he made that statement about AAU players how like they just make mixtapes and learn how to dribble or something like that and like again in a vacuum it's one of those things that it's on Twitter for a day or two and goes away but I do think those things build up over time and Mark Cuban's never going to acknowledge that I mean he you saw his response to this article he said total BS it's like well somebody was telling Tim these things someone right. within your organization was telling Tim these things it just shows how tone deaf he is or like just doesn't have a pulse on his organization anymore. Yeah. Or, or has never had. Perhaps has never had. Cause you, you go back to the sexual assault stuff. You go back right. to the fact how hard it was for them to ever build a team around Dirk. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they like felt like they threaded that needle with that one championship ring, and then he instantly blew it up, and that was always like the thing after after that 2011 run. It's like well, he didn't even let it run it back, and all because he thought he was going to get another free agent because he thinks mm-hmm. so highly of his organization and the Mavs and everything, and it's never happened. No, <laughs> so, it is a problem. It is a huge problem, and if you think that Luca is going to be their Dirk. I think this this makes you rethink all of it, right? Like he'll sign a second contract, he'll be there eight eight seasons or whatever. But would you be surprised if Luca was somewhere else in season nine? I wouldn't be surprised if he was somewhere else in season seven or eight. Yeah, right. Because he may signal and be like, "Hey, I'm out. I get me out of here now." And for everyone who you know is talking about who who is framing this story as like, "Oh, Luca's going to leave the maps," like. Him leaving the Mavs would seem very rare and unique in today's world, even though it feels like that's where we're headed. With like we, We've talked about players. Maybe some player will take the qualifying offer just to get out of their deal earlier. But if you go back like in NBA history, it's actually not that rare for like high-level guys to get traded away from their teams, like Steve Francis or Chris Webber. Like, there is precedent for guys early in their careers getting out of their teams. And it, so it would actually be a return to form in some ways if we start seeing that more earlier, even though we all kind of anticipate we're headed that way because of just all the general player movement. So I, I think it's something to watch. I I ultimately think it's good for the Mavs that this came out because it should force them to look at everything in a way they might not have otherwise. But who knows? Yeah, it would be a real problem if uh, Mark Cuban keeps his guy – Bob Vulgaris around after this summer. Oh, so st- if if there's any hint of truth to Luca not liking him, and him also having a lot of control over things like player lineups and rotations, then yeah, you have to get rid of him. You, I mean, you should have gotten rid of him already. Yep. And he's up for yep. an extension, so it 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 could happen this summer if they just let him go. Yep. Did Dork get snubbed? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. All right. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. This will be the last Down to Dunk episode with Alex and I before the lottery next Wednesday. We will know, Alex. We will mm. know. And we will have a show. So we're we planning to record a live podcast at the Mule. Uh, we can do something else, too, with you, you and I on Wednesday, talking about uh, where they are. And what what the possibilities are with the team? So, did you say what the possibilities are? 
What's the possibilities? I've got lunch on my mind. I need some pasta. <laughs> Hope you guys have a great Wednesday, and we will talk to you guys again. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.